burdens of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's taken from Psalm 1914. You want to look it up, it's a good one. So here's what we've been talking about. Are you getting tired of week after week another characteristic that you don't have? You know, I was thinking about Paul, and Paul was probably not an engineer. He probably wasn't structured in his thinking, but he had the complete man inside of who he wanted to be. And, you know, he, uh, Timothy and Titus, you probably know, were the last books that he writ, last letters that he wrote. And he wrote them probably with the idea that Christ wasn't coming back. And he had to prepare for the future because he wasn't going to be around forever. And so he wrote to Timothy and Titus, the two guys that he had the most confidence in who would propel the church forward. And so he had an idea of what an elder should be. And then he had that characteristic in mind. And he wrote, Paul was a good good writer. He was very specific in what he wrote. But this is what he wrote. He said, it is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. Now he gets particular. An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife. He's on a roll now. He's on a roll. Temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free from love of money. This is now getting tough. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? That's a good question. And not a new convert, so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church, so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. In other words, this man's got to be special got to be special. And I want us to not get uh, overwhelmed by the individual characteristics and measure ourselves against individual characteristics, but his completeness, his idea of what a man who is following the Lord should be like, and that's who we should be like. So we're going to talk about Epiochus, which Greek, it's a form of gentleness and patience. The topic today is gentleness. You know, how we get chosen to speak on different things is not our... Am I a man of gentleness and patience? Uh, The Amplified Bible captures its meaning, not combative, but gentle and considerate, not quarrelsome, but forbearing and peaceable. The idea of being equitable and fair. It's about treating others fairly. Paul modeled this. We're going to talk about Paul later as an illustration. But I wanted you to know that we are talking about gentleness, and it's not a gentleness in terms of the squishy, soft, but a gentleness that approaches who we're supposed to be in Christ. Gentleness appears often in the Bible. You know, you don't have to look too far 
to find gentleness in its meekness and humbleness. You know, one of the best definitions of meekness and humbleness and gentleness is meekness is a gentle strength, a yielded surrender to the Lord in recognition of what he did for us. You know, when you think about what the Lord did for you before you came to him, you get an idea of what humbleness and meekness and gentleness is supposed to be. But take a look at Protis. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Here's another case where Paul gets on a roll here. I have in mind who followers of Christ should be and what they should look like. And here's some of the things that characterize them, and it's the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I won't ask, but do you demonstrate love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control in your life? I mean, if somebody were to characterize you, would they characterize you in these terms? I, I doubt if they'd characterize me in those terms. Um, gentleness and self-control. You know, gentleness comes after we saw in, in the initial Titus and Timothy uh, scripture, comes after prognatious. It's like, hey, listen, I don't want you to be prognatious. I, well, what do you want me to be like? I want you to be gentle. I want you to be fair to others. Um, so, brethren, even if a man is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. There's a word again, spirit. A spirit of gentleness. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called with all humility and gentleness. You know, when we think again of who we were before we came to Christ and who we are now, it seems reasonable to pay him back with gentleness, to treat others with gentleness because we know how much he did for us. And so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, how do you treat those who don't know Christ? Do you treat them with respect? Do you treat them with kindness? Do you treat them with gentleness? Or are you somewhat dismissive of the fact that they don't know who you know? Not a good thing if you treat people different than the way you want to be treated as Christians. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give account for the hope that is in you with gentleness and reverence. Reverence? Gentleness? 
I mean, he wants us to be gentle, but he wants us to be fair-minded. We're going to see more about that as we take a look at some examples here. Epeos. But we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. It's as if Paul was reaching for an example of gentleness that everybody could understand. I remember Barbara nursing our sons, and there was not a better expression of gentleness that I could think of in terms of the closeness that she had while she tenderly cared for her own children, her own sons. But that's the way Paul wants us to be as men, gentle. And the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach. Remember when I spoke about sensitivity and communication a while back? Patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. To be gentle is to be fair. To be fair is to realize that you do stand for Christ. You do represent him. And it's important that we, that we not forget that. Being gentle doesn't mean being a pushover. It means being fair-minded. Let me illustrate by giving you three examples to consider. The Apostle Paul, George H.W. Bush, and Tom Landry. Now, disclaimer, put aside your personal politics, your athletic predispositions, and your Bible likes and dislikes, and focus on how you will live your lives with gentleness as you project Christ, because you all do. You all do. So treating others fairly gentle, here's the Apostle Paul. You know, one of the advantages or disadvantages we have is we don't have the advantage of photography. I don't know what Paul looked like. Neither do you. But I rather suspect, now, being bald, I don't know that that's very flattering. But I do consider Paul as a writer. I consider him being pensive. I consider him being one who is often lost in his thoughts and staying up late at night writing. And here's some of the stuff that he wrote. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and the Corinthians was, were not a particularly supportive group, um, many of whom were falsely accusing him, he said, now I, Paul, myself urge you by meekness and gentleness of Christ. Here the word gentleness is the same word Paul used in the list of qualities in his letter to Timothy. If you read Paul's additional comments, and this is where he is fair and balanced. However, he didn't mince words with the Corinthian Christians. He pointed out their sins, defended his apostleship, and exhorted them to become mature Christians. Paul was a gracious, sensitive, and fair-minded man 
but he would not compromise Christian truth and false accusations. He defended himself, this is key, without being defensive. Is that you? People could push him only so far. In this sense, Paul demonstrated the meekness and gentleness of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Although he was one of the most tough-minded men in all of Judea, in Judea, a man who approved of Stephen's martyrdom, Paul's life was dramatically changed when he became a Christian. Yet he made those changes and became not a perfect man, but a man who could write to the Corinthians without fear of contradiction and exhort them to be imitators of him just as he was an imitator of Christ. It's one of my favorite verses. 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And that's my goal, to imitate Christ. <clears throat> now, it's interesting that Paul was particularly concerned that we demonstrate this kind of gentleness toward non-Christians. Again, will you remember who you were before you came to Christ? Will you know who you were before you came to Christ as you talk to others who don't know him? Paul anticipated that some of the believers who lived in Crete might ask, might ask Titus, remember he's preparing Timothy and Titus to carry on after he's gone. Why he insisted on treating unbelievers so graciously. Consequently, Paul explained his reasoning. First, he commented on these believers' lives before they were converted to Christ. And he said, For we also once were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved of various lusts and pleasure, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Paul went on to remind them that although they were as Christians, were doing the same things, God had mercy on them. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. Paul was instructing Titus and teaching us that as Christians, we of all people should show mercy toward those who are lost in sin. Do you show mercy to those who are lost in sin? You should if you are exhibiting gentleness in your life. We have photographs of George H.W. Bush. I don't know why, but as I get older, I'm partial to the photographs of older gentlemen rather than younger. Um, but uh, how many watched parts of George H.W. Bush? Amazing man. I mean, phenomenal. Um, was he gentle in his approach? Yes. Was he fair-minded in his approach? Yes. You know, one of the things I remember about those speaking at George H.W. Bush and reading some of the things that he did as, as, a, as a president and as one who was about to become president, the first time he went to England, he went to 10 Downing Street and he stopped at the doorpost of 10 Downing Street and talked to the man who was guarding the door. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do And he wrote. He wrote thank you notes. He wrote letters. He was continually being gentle and kind in his approach. And yet, when the wall fell and 
Berlin. He didn't want to join in the celebration and dancing on the wall. He instead was forthright and fair-minded in building and rebuilding in Germany. And that's why Germany still considers him one of the heroes of the American genre today. Um, George H.W. Bush was an example of humility and gentleness in how he approached. You know who this guy is? That's Tom Landry. Tom Landry. He was a football player before he was a coach. He became a coach because at a young age, he was able to explain when he was a member of the Giants, the defense they were going to keep the Giants from uh, the Giants were going to keep the Giants from uh, keep the Giants winning and not losing. And he was young. Did you know he was a coach of the Dallas Cowboys for 29 years? That's a long time. But he was first a defensive back and a punter for the Giants. He was all pro in 1954. But yet he left as a legacy, a legacy that was in Christ. You know, in 1959, he came to Christ. Tom Landry was not always this kind of a gentle and fair-minded man. His life as an NFL coach began to change dramatically when he became a Christian. On one occasion, an older fan, a man who appeared to be in the 60s, stopped Landry and made this comment. Tom, I saw you play when you were with the Giants. You seem so calm now, but you used to get pretty mad in those days. Yes, you had a temper, all right. You were always and awfully fiery. Landry responded, responded, I guess we all go a little, mature a little. But he matured because he followed Christ, and he followed Christ Because in 1958, he knew that he was some, there was something missing in his life, and that was Jesus Christ. And his search began in a Bible study after the 1958 football season. A friend had invited him to join a group of men who often met at the Melrose Hotel for breakfast followed by a Bible study. At some period during the spring of 1959, he regards, he recalls, all my so-called intellectual questions no longer seemed important, and I had a joyous feeling inside. Internally, the decision had been made. Now, while the process had been slow and gradual, once made the decision has been the most important one in my life. It was a commitment of my life to Jesus Christ and a willingness to do what he wanted me to do as best I could. By seeking his will through prayer, and the reading of his word. Now, I don't know how you came to Christ. The fact that you did is a miracle and it's great. But are you sustaining it through prayer and study of his word? Tom Landry did. And because he did, he was compassionate as a coach. I think of Tom Landry in a suit, walking the sidelines stone-faced. I don't think of him as a coach that won two Super Bowls and was in five national championship games. 
but I think of him as stone-faced. He was anything but that. You know, he had Tony Dorsett. He had others on his team that were not stalwarts, and yet he showed and demonstrated compassion to each of them. This is a freebie, but this is what he said about leadership, getting someone to do what they don't want to do to achieve what they want to achieve. He was all about that, but he did it in a way that was kind and was gentle. Tom Landry, more than a coach, despite what you think about the, the Dallas Cowboys. So here's some discussion questions. <clears throat> Can you make tough decisions gently? Reflect a bit, are you a gentle person? Now this is meddling, I understand. But would you be a more effective husband, father, or grandfather if you were more gentle? How important is knowing Christ as your savior? This is in your actions with others. Are you sometimes dismissive of those who don't know Christ? How much patience do you grant those who don't know Christ? Do you agree that you would be more gentle if you read the Bible and found more time to pray? Being gentle doesn't mean being a pushover, but it does mean being fair-minded. And the only way we can be fair-minded is if we are rooted in Christ. And if we're rooted in Christ, we should be exhibiting gentleness in how we live. Thank you very much.